Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Today we, we celebrate the church. And I love the church. And I love this church. And you know the church is not a building. It's not a place. It's you and I, the body of Christ. We are the church. And after Christ left for heaven, it's his plan to continue his work through you and I, the body of Christ, the church. Members of the body of Christ are the physical representation of Christ to this world. So thank you, Calvary, for your role in representing Christ so well in the last 67 years. We just had a birthday this past week as a church. Happy birthday to the 419 end of the world. Thank you also for extending your love and support and representing Christ so well to the McGinnis family these last 34 years. Janie and I were college sweethearts. We met as freshmen, and by our junior year, I proposed to her. And as we began our senior year at Evangel University in Springfield, Missouri, We were on the lookout for jobs. We were education majors. I felt a call into ministry, but I talked myself out of it because I didn't want to be a pastor. (laughs) (laughs) When we started dating, Janie told me that she felt called to be a pastor's wife, and I said, sorry. My fiance and I spent a lot of time after a long night of study in the library before we went to our dorm rooms, we'd stop at a bench that was just outside the library under a tree. And we would end most evenings asking God to direct our lives. Our journey to this church began at that tree trusting God and placing our lives in the hands of our Heavenly Father. One day in our, during our senior year, I stopped by the placement office to see if there were any job openings um, available, and uh, the bulletin board listed a job for a teacher, a third-grade teacher at Calvary Christian School in Toledo, Ohio. And that's how it all began. I'm thankful to uh, my Heavenly Father for his guidance and direction over my life. It began in the room in the basement with orange carpet. (laughs) I'm thankful to David Garn. David Garn in 1985 was the vice chairman of our board and we had had a pastoral transition and they needed someone to work with the youth for a few months. And so 
he met me in the hallway, uh, the library hallway there at Glendale at the end. He said, Bill, would you be interested in working a few months for our students, with our students, until we are able to hire a youth pastor? I'm so glad I said yes. <laughs> Thankful to the youth council at that time, Martin and Kathy Miller, Jack and Ellen Swartz, Lynn and Marilyn Gauthier, who were parents who had students in the youth group, and we began to plan different events that eventually led into Crossfire Youth Ministries. Thankful to the four pastors that I've had the privilege to serve with. Each of them have had a very important part in my role at Calvary and who I am as a pastor. I'm thankful for Pastor Martin, who gave me the opportunity to serve. He said, here are some ideas. You want to give it a whirl. <laughs> and I'm so glad I gave it a whirl. I'm thankful for Pastor Webb, who affirmed the opportunity. A week didn't go by where Pastor Webb did not uh, tell me that I was doing a good job and, and um, always told me that he loved me and he supported me. I'm thankful to Pastor Clay, who confirmed the opportunity. Pastor Clay reminded me very often, you are one of the best that I've ever worked with. And he would remind me by sending me notes and cards that was just so encouraging. Thankful to Pastor Gilligan, where I've learned to enjoy the privilege and the opportunity of ministry. Ministry's fun. There's all kinds of wonderful opportunities. And a big part of the enjoyment of ministry with Pastor Chad has been the privilege to travel with him to 13 different countries around the world. And I will treasure this always. I'm going to miss many things about Calvary. But one of the main things that I will miss the most will be the incredible teaching that I have benefited from as a result of Pastor Chaz's preaching. You know this. I hear it all the time. This church has been gifted with a pastor who provides a timely word each week that is integral and anointed and applicable. And you are so blessed. <laughs> pastor Chaz, um, I want to present something to Pastor Chad uh, today. Six years ago, we were getting ready to move into this facility, and our team had this great idea because God's Word is the foundation, not just for our lives, but for our entire ministry here. And so before we had our first service, we thought it would be important uh, for God's Word, cover to cover, to be read out loud um, before our first service. So we had a Bible reading marathon for seven days from 6 a.m. to midnight. You signed up for 15 minutes, do you remember? And uh, this was the Bible that we used to read from this platform. Um, and after you were done reading, uh, you signed your name where you left off. And so this is a Bible that I, I didn't ask permission, but I kept it in my office. <laughs> 
for for the last six years. And so I want to give it back to you. Okay, there you go. I'm thankful for all of you, many of you who were there for my first, <laughs> my first funeral, my first sermon, my first Bible study, my first wedding, my first missions trip, my first conducting a board meeting. I mean, on and on and on. And some of those firsts were not all that great, <laughs> but you supported and you were faithful this church has been a great place to raise a family. So great to have Rachel and Sam here. And uh, when they flew in Friday night, we drove by the Glendale property. And Rachel said, uh, Sam, that's, that's the church where I grew up in. That's where I spent more time than I did at home. <laughs> and you know what? That was okay. She's a better person for it because of you. You were so supportive uh, when Atisi came into our family, your love for her has been amazing. And even these last two weeks, you've remembered her uh, in the midst of our transition. You were so supportive when Janie had her accident two years ago. Your prayers, I believe, changed everything. I'm thankful to my wife and my daughters. Um, when, when I began ministry in the 80s, um, the philosophy back then was um, family came last and ministry came first. And so there were many mornings when I would leave the house and Janie would still be sleeping. I kissed her on the cheek. I would say, I'll be home later tonight. I don't know when, but I'll be home later tonight. And many nights when I got home, she wasn't still there, but she was back in bed. <laughs> And I would nudge her and say, I'm, I'm home. Many nights or many mornings, I kiss, kissed her on the cheek and say, I'll be home sometime tomorrow night. I'm not sure when. That was before cell phones, before you could stay in touch, you know. And so um, today's a special day in many regards. Um, and we thought this would be such an appropriate time um, to dedicate our granddaughter. So... Come on up. And as, as they're coming, um, I want to say thank you to Pastor Chad, the board, the pastoral team, uh, Rhonda. Uh, yesterday was over the top. Um, thank you so very much. We don't, we, we just, uh, we don't take that for granted and, and we appreciate that and um, Everything that you've done for us these last few weeks has been just amazing. And, um, you know, we were going to almost wait till we got to Dumas to dedicate Renly, but um, we realized that 30 years ago, uh, Rachel was dedicated here. Uh, just two years ago, Matt and, not Matt, sorry. Um, what's your name? Sam. Sorry. <laughs> Okay, let me, let me tell you why I said Matt. Okay, so, so when, when Rachel was, is, is Matt here? Is he off in the green room? But anyway, when, when, uh, 
when uh, Rachel was pregnant, she would play uh, Matt's CD, the one that uh, is written for Bowen. And I couldn't love you more, that song. And uh, I looked over at Rachel, and she was over there crying. I said, well, hey, hang on. I haven't preached yet, okay? So, uh, <laughs> and uh, I said, what's wrong? She said, look at Renly. I mean, the minute Matt started leading worship, Renly did not take her eyes off of Matt. <laughs> and so she just thought, you know, so... But uh, Sam and, and Rachel were married on this platform just two years ago, and so we thought it would be fitting uh, today to dedicate Renly. So uh, Sam and Rachel, would you get a little closer to me if you would? And uh, there is a threefold purpose in child dedication. First of all, uh, Sam and Rachel, you're here today to say thank you. Thank you to God for this beautiful gift. So today we say thank you, Lord. Secondly, dedication is designed to give back to the Lord. And so uh, today we say um, to the Lord, Lord, we give Renly to you. We ask you that you would guide and direct and mold her life. But the third thing, and probably the most important, uh, Sam and Rachel, is you making a promise to the Lord in front of your church and your church, um, our church, that you will raise Renly to know the Lord. You will teach her. You will instruct her. You will set the example for her. Um, it's such a joy and blessing when a child enters into a Christian home. The verse today that I think is so powerful and so fitting for the two of you is Proverbs 14, 26. And it says, He who fears the Lord has a secure fortress and for his children, it will be a refuge. The greatest thing that you can do as a dad and a mom is to teach Renly what it means to honor God, uh, to worship God, to fear him, to respect him, to, to reverence him, because this passage says, then their children, it will be a fortress, fortress for them. And so I want to give you a challenge. Sam and Rachel, you are bringing Renly into God's presence to be dedicated to him. By this statement of faith, do you commit that together you will raise her in a way that pleases God by instructing her in God's word, by introducing her to Christ's love and, their, and her need for salvation, by modeling godliness in your home and marriage, by protecting her from evil influences, by teaching her to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, and by fellowshipping with other believers in a Christ-centered church family, if you choose to do this, please say we do. And so I'm going to take Renly, but before I do, I want to anoint her with oil, which represents the presence of the Holy Spirit. Here's a neat little family thing going on here. This is the dress that Grandma wore when she was dedicated. I knew you'd like that. And, uh, and this is the dress her mom wore when she was dedicated. And so we just got it together, don't we? I mean, so, uh, <laughs> Grandma who? Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Okay, that's not enough. We need some more oral than that. So, okay. <laughs> okay, come on, Renly Joy. Renly Joy, my sweet pie. Let's pray.
thank you, God, for the privilege that we have as a family to dedicate Renly uh, before mm-hmm. Calvary today. And so, God, we thank you for this gift that you've given to Sam and Rachel. Mm-hmm. We pray, God, that you'd give them wisdom and discernment as they raise Renly, go before them, mm-hmm. give Sam the strength and the courage he needs, God, to instruct uh, Renly, give Give Rachel, Lord, the purity and the reverence that she needs to, to help Renly know what it means to be a follower of Christ. And dear Lord, we pray for Renly today. We ask God that your Holy Spirit presence would be upon her, anoint her life, Lord God. I've been praying this prayer. The minute I held her in the hospital, God, anoint her life, watch over her, protect her, and guide her, give her health, strength. May she come to know you, God. May she have a tender heart, God, like her parents, I pray. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen. Amen. All right, here we go. It's getting wiggly. Here's a certificate, and then a beginner's Bible. Congratulations. Okay, okay. Thank you for allowing us to do that. Okay, where was I? Thank you, Pastor Chad, for allowing me to to share today. Thank you, Matt, uh, for coming today to lead worship. Um, um, He asked Pastor Chad if he could come right after my announcement was shared, and I was just more than than touched. Um, So (laughs) what do I share today, huh? I really feel led to take five passages that in 34 years of ministry here at Calvary, I've used the most and uh, share with you these passages, tie in a timeless truth, and each of the timeless truths that I will share has to do with heaven. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 13 But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness, and that is our future. And so the first scripture today, a scripture that I have referred to seriously hundreds of times in the last several years, John chapter 14, verses 1 through 4, the words of Jesus And Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. As a pastor, I have had the honor, and it has been the honor, to officiate hundreds of funerals. Pillars of faith from this church, good friends, my assistant who died of cancer, 16-year-old young man, infants, and even many that I've never met. And it was an honor, it's been an honor to share with many who come to attend a funeral the hope that we have in Christ and the hope of our eternal life in heaven. 
In this passage, John chapter 14, Jesus refers, or Jesus uses the word place, P-L-A-C-E, twice in this passage, and not to insult your intelligence, but a place is a real and actual location. A place is a place. In other words, heaven is a real place. It's not a fairy tale, not a figment of our imagination, but a real place. You see, heaven is the reward from our heavenly Father for our devotion and our commitment to him and his son. What a great, great gift, huh? Our heavenly Father is excited to reward you with the gift of heaven. This passage tells us, John 14, that uh, Christ is preparing a place and we all have a room in a mansion. Many years ago when TC was a little girl, I started kind of a little goofy family father and daughter tradition. Whenever we would stay in a hotel, uh, we'd go to our hotel room and I'd make sure I have the key and I insert the key, you know, in the, in the holder there and I the door opens up, and I always go first, and I open the door, and I kind of peek in, and I look at her, and then I open up the door, and I go, wow. <laughs> well, when she was little, that was really cute. Now that she's 23, she just rolls her eyes at me, but I still do it. <laughs> Our Heavenly Father is waiting for you and I to get to heaven, and when we get there, He's got this room that's so much better than Holly, uh, that uh, Holiday Inn Express, okay? <laughs> that he's excited for you to have for eternity. However, for many of us in 2018, those of us who live busy lives and were consumed with the pleasures of this life, we believe in heaven, it's a great concept, but we don't think much about it. Heaven is a distant thought in our minds and our plans. And we're told in scripture that we are to, have, we are to enjoy life, to, to live life abundantly. But then at the same time, our attention and our focus should always be on heaven during every season of our lives. Philippians chapter three, verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Vance Havner says this, we are not home in this world because we are made for a better place. Do not get used to this home on earth because God has something much better for you and I. We're only pilgrims on a journey through this world and on our way to a new home. And in the midst of our daily struggles and difficulties, we are encouraged by the promise of what God has prepared for us, his faithful followers. Live your life today with heaven on your mind. And here's the timeless truth, John 14. Life is a dream but heaven is a reality. It's true. Life is a dream, but heaven is a reality. Scripture number two, 1 Timothy chapter four, 
Verse 12 says this, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. From childhood, Timothy had been taught the Old, Test Old Testament scriptures. And Paul's purpose in writing 1 Timothy uh, was to encourage and instruct Timothy about his ministry and personal life. 1 and 2 Timothy are great, great reads. Paul may have actually been the one to lead Timothy to a personal relationship uh, with Christ because he calls him my true son in the faith. Scholars believe that when Paul wrote 1 and 2 Timothy, it's possible that Timothy could have been as young as a young teen or maybe in his mid-30s. More than likely, Paul was nearing the end of his life, giving Timothy some words of advice. As you know, my ministry here at Calvary began uh, as a youth pastor, 13 years serving with our students here at Calvary. And, and as a youth pastor, I was not necessarily fond of some of the youth pastor's duties, all-night retreats and lock-ins and all of that. We did them. It wasn't my favorite thing. Weekend trips, driving students in the church van all over the state of Ohio, pranks that students would often make on the youth pastor. <laughs> but I was very fond of one thing, and that's this. When young people, when students understood 1 Timothy 4.12, and they began to follow what it had to say. You see, in our culture, we are told that those who are older should set the example to those who are younger. For example, an older sibling to the younger, sixth graders to the first graders, senior class to the freshman class, adults to students. But we read in 1 Timothy 4.12, it instructs us that those who are younger should set an example to those who are older. It says to the believers. So the question that needs to be asked is, when are you not young anymore? <laughs> well, here at Calvary, uh, unofficially, we consider our young adult ministry up till 35. So once you turn 36 here at Calvary, you are old, okay? <laughs> Those of us who are older certainly have an important role in the life of the church. But Paul, you see, is trying to help Timothy and those who are younger to understand that being young is no reason or excuse not to set an example of faith and godly character. In fact, when those who are young in a church have a strong passion for Christ, they often inspire faith, hope, and spiritual enthusiasm throughout the church. And I have seen that happen, and it's an amazing thing. When you put God's word into action, it works every time. Think a moment about the younger biblical characters who made a big difference in the Bible. Joseph in the Old Testament, who ascended to a great a high position as a young adult. Samuel, who responded to God's call when he was just around 12 years old. 
You have David who conquered a giant on the battlefield when he was a teenager. You have King Josiah who was the king over Israel when he was eight years old. You have Esther who influenced the king and saved a nation as a young adult woman. You have Mary, the mother of Jesus, who gave birth to the Son of God when she was a young teenager. Something happens when those who are younger begin to set the example. Their schools change. Their homes change. Their relationships change. Their churches change. Their world changes. I'm so encouraged by the leadership of our church who just hired a new member of our team, pastoral team, a young adult pastor, uh, Pastor Jordan Moore. And I would encourage you to pray for Pastor Jordan, Pastor Matt Ford, and Pastor Jay Heiss, and Pastor Lindsey Jordan, who work with our students, our young adults, and our kids. And then I would challenge those of you who are under 36, come on, come on, set the example. Young families, young parents, young couples, young adults, students, we look to you to set the example for the believers in your speech, in your life, in your faith, in your love, and in your purity. The future of, of this church hinges on your example. Here's the timeless truth, young people. Lead others toward heaven. By your example, you can literally lead others toward heaven. Scripture 3, Colossians 3, verses 12, 13, and 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. I have shared this passage behind closed doors in my office probably hundreds of times as well. You see, this passage pertains to our personal spiritual growth and character. The Apostle Paul once again, the author of this passage, mentions character traits that followers of Christ, you and I, should put on. But he uses the terminology, clothe yourselves. Clothe yourselves. And this wording helps us to understand that we must every day make a conscious choice to clothe ourselves with traits that are not only pleasing to God, but can help us in our relationships towards one another. So today, I choose to clothe myself. I choose to clothe myself. Today, I choose to put on compassion. I choose kindness. I choose humility. 
I choose gentleness and patience and love. I choose. Today, or actually yesterday, I chose this ensemble. Do you like it? <laughs> Thank you. A lot of my clothes are packed up and they're on a truck. So this is about all I have left, okay? And, uh, um, but I chose this ensemble today because many of you have been so kind to the McGinnises the last few weeks. You've been taking us out. You've been giving us treats and giving us candy. And I can fit in this outfit still, okay? <laughs> so uh, today and tomorrow, I will choose how I, how I will respond to others. Will I choose compassion? Will I choose kindness? Will I choose to be humble? Our clothing is very important. God notices and the world notices. Never minimize the impact and the influence you have as a follower of Christ by the clothing you choose to wear. Right? That makes sense, right? When we choose character traits that are godly, our personal discipleship is developed. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8 says this, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. The timeless truth, powerfully, is this. Prepare yourself for heaven. Prepare yourself for heaven. And you do that by the way you dress. <laughs> Scripture number four. And you know this would have to be in here. And that's the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28. Jesus says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So David Garn asked me to work with the youth in 1985, and so about a year later, things were beginning to move along, and I felt like we had to initiate two very important programs in the life of the youth ministry. The first one was Bible quiz. Uh, our denomination, the Assemblies of God, has a great Bible quiz program for students. And they take a book of the Bible and they quiz over it. To quiz over it, you have to learn it, you have to study it, you have to memorize it. So in my mind, my thinking was nothing can be better for a youth ministry than for students getting into God's Word. And the second program we initiated is a program called, you may have heard, Speed the Light. And in 1986, we began a Speed the Light ministry. And uh, in the Assemblies of God, Speed the Light is designed for students to raise funds for missions so that missionaries can rely upon students to have a vehicle. So whatever students raise uh, through Speed the Light, that's what determines whether or not a missionary uh, can have a vehicle uh, when they get to the field. And we took this very seriously. Um, um, we... we 
trained, our, we taught our, our, our kids that missions does not start when you get married or when you get a good, big, important job. It starts now. And so we taught students that they can begin to pray for missionaries and give and sacrifice and make a difference. We washed cars. We sold this. We sold that. We did everything imaginable to raise funds for Speed the Light. And as a result of that, this church for 30 years has given through our students, hundreds of thousands of dollars through, uh, for Speed the Light for our missionaries. So in my mind, missions, the Bible, that's a positive thing to have in a youth ministry. That's a positive thing to have for your life as well. If you take God's word, if God's word is your manual for life, and if missions, which is God's heartbeat, is your priority, you simply cannot go wrong. And this is not new news for Calvary. God's heartbeat is for the nations of the world, all tribes, all tongues, all people. Why? So all can hear. We must be involved in getting the good news to the four corners of this planet by praying, giving, and going the Great Commission from Matthew chapter 28 applies to every follower of Christ to every, of every generation. In his final instructions, the last words Jesus spoke before he left this earth was to take his message to the world, and he wants that to be our responsibility. We are reminded in the book of Revelation, heaven is not just designed for one nation or for one people group. Look at what it says, Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. And they sang a new song, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Here is the timeless truth. Heaven is for everyone. Heaven is for everyone. And scripture number five, we're still in Matthew, Matthew chapter 24, verses 10 through 12. Again, the words of Jesus, listen to what he says. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. This passage has not been a passage that I've used a lot in 34 years, but I can tell you in the last 10 years, I have referred to this passage a lot. In fact, this passage changed my focus as a pastor uh, 10 years ago when I read it and applied it to my life. Because I'm really bothered with the words that you saw in caps. Many and most. Did you notice what it says? Many. Many will turn away. False prophets as we get close to the end of time, will deceive many. The love of most will grow cold. Many, most, will fall away. What? 
You know, I believe in missions and outreach and evangelism. But my role as a pastor is to do everything I can do to keep you from not falling away. Because if if the scripture says they fell away, so that must mean that they belonged initially. We have to encourage one another. We have to support one another. We need to get into each other's faces when we fall away to encourage them back into the kingdom of God. Many, most will fall away. How can those who were once so convinced of the reality of God's love and his truth fall away? They experienced his forgiveness. They experienced his grace. Christ gave them purpose. How can they fall away? Looking again at Paul's writings, he gives us a warning how this can happen. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Okay. <laughs> God's truth is the truth. And you may not necessarily agree with it, but you know what? Guess what? Your opinion doesn't matter. <laughs> okay? God's truth is the truth. And if it doesn't feel good or make you always, it, it is, it's the truth, okay? It has stood the, the, the test of time. The best thing that you can do as we get close to the end of time is to establish yourself in a church that teaches sound doctrine. Oh, good, you already have. That's awesome. Yeah. But be careful. Be careful. Because the world can easily permeate our soul. And if our itching ears wants to hear certain things that make us feel good or whatever, we could fall away. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. This is not new. This has been happening since the beginning of the church. However, as the end draws near, such defiance will grow worse. Many will turn away from the truth. You cannot let that happen to your soul. (laughs) We must be careful that the disappointments of life, that the seasons of our lives do not take us away from the sound doctrine of God's word that we have learned and applied to our lives. If Christ controls the inner man, then the world cannot control the outer man. And here's the timeless truth. Don't miss heaven. Don't miss heaven. And I don't want to be overdramatic, but here's the reality. I've been using a line, someone said this to me, so are you going to resurface sometime back at Calvary, like come visit? Well, I sure hope so. But it's very possible the next time I see many of you will be in heaven. And I want to see you in heaven. Don't miss heaven. 
Never be afraid to trust your unknown future to a known God. Would you bow your heads? I'm going to pray a verse over all of us from Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Dear God, may you, the God of hope, fill us with all joy and peace as we trust in you so that we may overflow with hope by the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. A few weeks ago, I was in my office on a Monday morning, and I was thinking about today. And um, I uh, put some music on. I went to my phone, and uh, uh, Matt Hammett has a solo CD out, and I have it on my Amazon Music app because I'm so techie, you know. (laughs) And so I... I punched it in, and the first song that came on, I've asked Matt to sing today. It's called Heaven Knows. And I tell you what, I sat in my office, and I had a moment because um, I believe the song was written, uh, Matt wrote it regarding his uh, transition from the Sanctus Rule Band to the ministry he has now. So... After verse 1, which is a good verse, um, after verse 1, the rest of the song (laughs) explains so well what Janie and I have been walking through. And to put context uh, on this Sunday uh, to our future and our role at Abundant Life in Dumas, Arkansas, I've asked Matt to sing this song today. Thanks, Pastor Bill. And I did change the first line of the song just for you. And by the way, thanks for saying yes. Thirty years on this road, never thought we would go as far as this. Gave my heart, kept the faith all the night, all those days with no regrets. We've been watching half our lives flow through the only hourglass we've known. And now I'm standing at a crossroads knowing that it's time to let go. And heaven knows when our heart needs to go Where it's meant to be And it's hard to walk away from a place You thought you'd never leave Oh, but I can hear Jesus calling my name Saying, step out onto the sea Come and find what you face is made of come and leave what you claim to believe and follow me 
open hearts this is how we gotta start how we wound up here oh when seasons change it's okay it doesn't have to take away from the love we share and now i'm standing at a crossroads knowing that it's time to let go to let go Pastor Bill and Janie and, uh, and your family, come on up on the platform if you would, please. Also, any members of our deacon board or pastoral team that, uh, that may be in the service with us, with your spouses, if you'd come and join us as well. And, you know, we've been working our way through the book of Acts, and one of the things that we've seen is, is how many times you walk through this process where, where God sends people out, and there's, there's something to that. Pastor Bill and I were talking this week, and I said, look, we, and he and I have seen this. We've seen quite a few staff come and go. He, he, he counted them up. It was a pretty good number, if I remember right. Yeah. 49, but who's counting? <laughs> <laughs> we're now going to have him name them, Pastor Bill. And, uh, and I said, this is, I, I don't see this like a, like a staff member who transitions and you say goodbye, this one feels a little bit more like a missionary that you send out and say, this will always be home. And uh, we, we love this family. So many of you have had so many reasons to love this family. And today it's our obligation and it's our privilege as a church to release them 
and bless them and send them into what God has next for them. And so would you stand with me, please, church? Acts chapter 13, we see the pattern of where they lay hands as they're sending them off. We're going to do that. So would you extend a hand forward? And, uh, and we're going to pray and bless this family today. And so, Father, we come to you. And Heavenly Father, I thank you for Bill and Janie McGinnis. We're willing to say yes under a tree in Springfield, Missouri, and you brought them to Toledo and have used them in so many different ways to impact lives, to, to be your voice in critical moments, and Lord, to represent what it means to be called with integrity and character and serve you. So Father, today as a church, we release them, we send them, we bless them. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you would go before them. God, that you would give them physical strength in this season of transition. And God, that you would give them financial provision and blessing. God, that you would prosper them. Lord, we pray that you would give them favor pray, Lord, that you would give to Pastor Bill insight into this new season of ministry. God, we pray that spiritually you would use them, that you would, would strengthen them and encourage them. God, we pray for Abundant Life Worship Center in Dumas, Arkansas. Lord, we pray that that church would have an impact, that there would be people that will be in heaven that we will meet someday because of what's going to happen in an amazing way at that church through Pastor Bill's ministry and the leaders that are there. God, we thank you for this family. We thank you for these timeless truths. We thank you for this day. We thank you for our friends. God, as we as, we as a church release them into this new season, we ask that you would do for them and in them and through them things that go above and beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. Father, would you look over our friends? Bless them, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Calvary, one more time. Many of you were so gracious and came out yesterday for a four-hour open house that stretched well over five. It was, uh, it was really meaningful. We're going to go ahead, Pastor Bill and Janie. I'm going to release you and your family to head um, to the back of the atrium. If you did not get a chance to greet them yesterday, I hope you'll take a moment and do that today and uh, continue to keep them in your prayers. Uh, let's, let's pray together. Father, as we go from here today, we thank you for your word that has impacted us. God, thanks that we can be a part of a, a healthy body of believers It's open to hear from you and be used by you. And so, Lord, as we go from here, we ask that you would go with us. Pray that you'd send us out with your special favor and with your wonderful peace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. Thanks for being here.